Oh, oh, one more thing. Just one more thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode, we'll be discussing Any Old Port in a Storm. Originally broadcast on October 7th, 1973, directed by Leo Penn, written by Stanley Ralph Ross and Larry Cohen, and starring Donald Pleasance, Gary Conway, Joyce Jilson, Julie Harris, Vito Scotti, yay, oh. Robert Donner, yay, hey. the man known only as Falcon, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. Each time we're joined by special guests... On this episode, it's Stephen Goss, the curator of the Columbo Interiors Tumblr. But before we bring him on, John, yes, tell sir. me whether or not I can hire a babysitter tonight. <laughs> well, RJ, uh, allow me to share with you my carefully researched and well thought out introduction. Definitely not written just five minutes ago because oh, I forgot it was my turn. No, no, no. No, I had this prepared five or six weeks ago. Oh, God, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, Adrian Carcini is the large, mewling baby in charge of Carcini Wines, a venture co-owned by himself, and his hedonist half-sibling, Rick. P.S. They're both Italian, I think? While Adrian is being fated by the wine-collecting community for his excellence, refinement, and contributions to the world of wine, Rick has gone and sold the whole winery to a made-for-TV Ernest and Julio Gallo. That's too much for Adrian to accept, so he slugs Rick on the back of the head with a frankly unnecessarily large desk ornament and hides his body in the air-conditioned cave-slash-wine cellar and then fucks off for New York to buy a $5 million bottle of hot dog water. (laughs) (laughs) Carelessly dumping Rick's body in the ocean upon his return from Fun City, Adrian suddenly finds himself in the company of an actual Italian, or Hungarian, Lieutenant Columbo. This could be worse, frankly, as Adrian Columbo hit it off. At first... But after an expensive meal and a lot of palling around, Columbo manages to catch his man. Or does he? He does. Over to you, RJ. Hey, thank you, John. And welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, no, uh, your, your Tumblr is actually great. You, you did like a really nice uh, job for a few years of like, uh, like, like the great setups and like the interiors. But then you've actually made the um, kind of switch over uh, to... Uh, focus that actually fits with this episode of uh, the, the folks and the episodes and the specific drinks they're holding, which I think is great. Is that why you picked this one to talk about? Uh, yeah, I thought it'd be appropriate since we've moved from the interiors, uh, cataloging interiors to cataloging drinking, that uh, doing any old port in a storm, which is probably the drinkingest Columbo episode. Oh, sure. Out. Yes, definitely. Uh, this made sense. Uh, so uh, whenever we have someone on for the first time, I always want to ask them, uh, what, what is your history with Columbo? How did you first uh, come to Columbo? I, uh, you know, I'm a child of the '70s. That's when you know when I was growing up. But I never actually watched Columbo. I didn't start watching it until my wife introduced it to me in the early 2000s. I mean, it was oh. something like my parents had watched it, my grandparents had watched it, but I was always a kid, so it was wasn't really part of my radar. And um, yeah, one night she was like, oh, this is a show I used to watch with my grandmother all the time. And we just started binging it, getting the DVDs, and it became like a thing that we did when we first met. So, And as I was watching it, you know, all those things, all that, it's such a great visual show, just kept popping out to me. I was like, this deserves a Tumblr. Well, yeah, I, I was actually going to ask that next. Like, uh, why did you start that up? And what, what was it that made you like, oh, okay, I'll just do these great screen grabs? Because, yeah, you would always pick like these really interesting odd moments that seem slightly either unsettling or kind of depressing and empty and it just it was really yeah it was always like the stuff you picked was always really really fun i've I found 
Like, why, why did you, how did you start doing that? Yeah, well, uh, so what I, you know, my background is sort of a mix of like arts and technology. Mm. And part of this project was just to start out to understand Tumblr, like how it worked. It was, you know, because I've oh. been doing it for a lot longer than I, I kind of like to uh, admit sometimes. It was something I was going to kind of do for funsy and I just can't seem to stop. So but my, I set up some sort of rules for myself that I would only be picking shots with certain things. The goal would be to sort of this like cataloging Columbo for just like sort of the all of these small little nuanced things that make Columbo Columbo. And, and the interiors are one of the first things that really jumped out at me. Uh, and the, the only goal was that there couldn't be any actors in the scene that I was screen grabbing. So that, that's why I, that's why I really liked about it. Actually, that that is the thing I really like about that. Yeah, when you were yeah. back doing that. Yeah, yeah. What I liked about that was that it was it, you didn't know what show it was. It was really just showing like the space. I mean, the drinking one's a little different. As I got into it more and watching the show, it really is kind of weird that every episode and when somebody gets killed, there's a, you know, there's always a ton of alcohol going on. I don't know if that was just a symptom of the seventies <laughs> yes. or, or, you know, but every time it seems like they walk into the house, there's a wet bar, maybe just because it's always rich people who just have wet bars in their houses. Oh, actually that's uh, a good point. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. The whole class thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just, that would seem to be the next thing that stood out. And I, you know, my goal has been now that I've sort of am in it to win it with this thing is to continue to find like different components of Columbo to catalog to sort of just show the the world that is uh, the Columbo universe. Well, okay, and once you've run through the uh, the uh, shots with people with drinks, do you have a couple, of, like can you tell like a couple ideas like what you might go to next or no? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've been, do- so I tried to, to double up and I've been doing the Kill Shot Fridays, which is like five stabs. <laughs> Some with the moment that the killer pulls the trigger or does the poisoning or the stabbing, uh, just to show that uh, that reaction. But I don't know what the next the next one really is going to be when I finally sort of like you guys just sort of doing it off the cuff as it happens. All right, might, I, might I suggest uh, yeah, Thursday? Just give me ideas, please. <laughs> Thir- Thursday offended secretaries because <laughs> yeah, there yes. if there is a trend in this show, yes. <laughs> officious uh, ladies who hate Columbo that, that <laughs> comes up so often in this uh, this series. Uh, yes, basically a third theme. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so yeah, so the drinking stuff that's completely th- this episode is saturated. In that it takes place. Um, pretty much ninety percent of it is set in a winery uh, somewhere in California, just outside of Los Angeles, and. I, who wants to start? Because I, I just overall, this is one of my favorite episodes of Columbo, actually, and uh, most of it is because of Donald Pleasance and his performance. He's he's so much yes. fun, isn't he's he? He's great. It's one of those things where I wish he's another one. Of people are like, I wish he had been on more of these. I wish he had come yeah. back. And he was yeah. even working in the '90s and 2000s. Oh, it would have been neat to have him on one of those too. Like, who knows mm-hmm. why? But yeah, no, I, I would love to have him come back as a killer in another episode. I yeah. suppose this is where I get to mention that he was on an episode of Mrs. Columbo. Oh, what? Really? Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. P- playing, well, at least playing the role with pretty much the same voice. Oh, well, Donald Pleasance, he didn't have a lot of super variation. So was, I like him, though. No, I, I like know, him. I like him. But you kind of, do you see him, and he's like, oh, he's playing that. He plays what he plays very well, but he's yeah. not a super... He's not like inhabiting the role like uh, some other. Jesus, R.J. Are. Get get off Pleasance's back. He's doing his best. No, I like him. He's great in this. He's wonderful. I feel bad for him. 
I feel, well, mostly bad uh, for him because he's actually horrible in this. He's a terrible well, person. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, is him and he and Folk play off each other so well. I mean, you can yes. tell they're both enjoying each other's like company when they're together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, that, that's yeah, that's one of the best things about this episode is those two acting wise, uh, they, their scenes are just incredible and just nice and just in. And, well, we don't want to bring it up yet, uh, but like the final scene is just. Like the the culmination of it is is just very very wonderful. Uh, so yeah, where do you want to start with uh, uh with where uh, where you want to uh, go into this whatnot? Oh, you can start right at the beginning with that awesome uh, the wine tasting that they're having. Yes, yeah. So this erudite moment where they're all just standing around holding wine glasses by the foot of the glass. Yeah, which I don't think is like a real thing. No, I don't but... think so either. Yeah, <laughs> with, with, I, I with, thought um, it was. I... I, usually I see people by the stem, but I don't know about like the, the actual base of it. But the stem, because you don't want to like have a hand up there to warm up uh, whatever right. you're drinking. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, but I yeah, the, I, I guess you do hold the stem. But I'm gonna I'm gonna see if someone wants wants you online wants you to hold it by the, the foot. Let's find out. Oh, I'm sure someone does. We'll get it. We'll get letters. <laughs> we get letters from all sorts. I don't get letters from all sorts. Our our listeners are very nice. Yeah, and also we we get like a, two emails like every three months. So it's not really <laughs> letters from all sorts. So oh, for crying out loud! Okay, like, you're right. I'm acting like we got bags of mail coming in. Like it, it's about Santa Claus or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well I, what I like anyway. about it is it sets it sets how like really elitist. Uh, he is and the characters around him are it's like such a nice juxtaposition between him and like the salt of the earth that Columbo sort of represents. I think it sets up a really nice juxtaposition for the two of them to go at it. Right. Yeah. And that, um, and also when, when, um, Carcini, uh, the character that, uh, Pleasance plays, his brother comes in, they do even more setting up saying like, Oh, well, you're the kind of stepbrother. Yeah. My mother was, English, she preferred the breeding. My father was she Italian. She provided the breeding. The breeding, yeah. yeah. And my uh, father, oh, he provided, you know, the, the passion. Provided and the, the wine, wine yeah. and everything else. Except the guy left the land for the place to the dissolute Ricky. stepbrother. So yeah. it's like, it's kind of, kind of you gotta lay a lot of this at the feet of the father, who didn't really think this through very well. And I think, well. actually, the father might have absolutely known what he was doing. Because uh, first off, it's really Gary Conway does a really good job of also playing a completely different kind of elite jerk. Yes, yes. right. You know, so like those two playboy. together, yeah, right, the, those two together are fantastic. And I think even though he's you know more physical culture and he's a race car driver and and all that, I think he's a lot more annoying, annoyingly aristocratic than uh, Pleasance's character than Adrian. Right, right. He's, he's kind of like a like a more of a new money thing, and Pleasant's character mm-hmm. is more of an old money thing. Like we've got this long family heritage, just keep right. it nice and the same and stable, and they just kind of keep doing it that way. And the guy's like, "Well, what's money good for? If it's spend it, enjoy it, have fun, yeah. and all that stuff." Yeah, so I think I think the father knew what he was doing. He wanted to tie both sons. I'm put, getting a lot of credit here for what I'm sure was just a story concept, but he would want to tie both sons to the company right. because he knew if he left it to one, it would be over. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah, you're right about that too. Like he doesn't have any of the tradition, but like all of the privilege. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Brings to the scene, yeah. 
This is the one I'm sure there's others I can't think of them, but this is definitely the one victim I was kind of on the killer's side. <laughs> oh yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, a little bit. Little bit. Well, I hate plus, to see anybody get murdered, but also the fact that it, it's a very in the moment angry crime of passion too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. after it's a crime of passion, uh, it becomes a very cold, calculated murder. Which no, is a very really interesting. Warm, yeah. calculated murder. Well, yes, yes, a very warm. Yes. Uh, I've very, earned my keep. I'm going to get quiet for the next half hour. That's good. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, he just he get uh, he gets like flares up, gets so angry, strikes him over the head. Like, oh crap, what do I do? It's like, well, you could just let him recover. And you're like, no. But then he makes, then he starts planning and figuring it out. And exactly how to do it, and then it becomes a lot less excusable as opposed to, oh, he's dead. Because there's other episodes where uh, the person is murdered, and just in the heat of the moment, and it's done right away. This one, it's not done right away. No, this... yeah. It's like one, this is one of the more brutal ones. I mean, there's very few where somebody is not killed immediately, right? Like maybe like catch yeah. you can. Yes, exactly. That's like, one, yeah, that's one I thought about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once, yeah. Yeah, and also that one's a slow, horrible, suffocating death mm. over some time, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really neat how they bring Columbo into this one so early. And it's, and a, it's, it's kind a, of in a wrong, weird way, too. Yeah. It is, but it's really, it's reasonable, is yeah. the great thing, is that and, she comes in yeah. when, like, just like the Weather Bureau, the Missing Persons Bureau is only open 9 to 5. Right. <laughs> and... It, you know, Columbo's undoubtedly there working on some case, putting some rich dude away on a charge that he'll undoubtedly be able to beat. And he's got his own office in this one. He's got an old office, his own office with an old radio, a coat, a desk lamp, a wonderful cabinet. Usually you don't see <laughs> and, that in other ones. It's a, he's got in a later nice episodes, In he's later episodes, he lost it. I'm pretty sure it was taken away from him because he was arresting too many important people on yeah. incredibly uh, tenuous maybe, charges. Yes, that's probably it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, we have to get around to some time in this in this episode of the podcast discussing how many illegal things Columbo did. God. Oh, this <laughs> one. This one's yeah. a big one. I'd forgot like um I I've seen this one uh, first like a while ago and I was watching again to uh for the podcast like oh, I forgot he did that. Right? Which like is entirely like oh, that's a little skirt in the thing. We'll get to it though. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Uh you know, hey, can I mention something just about the brother? Sure. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, when, so when he first walks into the office and meets him, yeah, there's that he that classic like trope of like the per, the the person spinning around in the chair. Yes. Surprising yeah. the dude. And what was so great is I didn't notice it until I watched it again for the show. Here was uh was like I thought you would be here, on, like, <laughs> like on a Sunday. So how long was he willing to sit in that chair? Right, just in case he for, wasn't like, there. Effect. Like what, <laughs> was he there like on a Friday night? Like oh this shirt's on Friday. <laughs> And then roll it into Saturday. He's like, I know he's going to be here on Saturday. <laughs> but he was only there for his fancy right. wine friends. Right. To give them man of the year of wine, which they're yeah, never super specific. Yeah. <laughs> like, he yeah. didn't know he was going to be there. He just chanced it for that, like, one right. little thing. <laughs> and weren't they... and, and, yeah, like, some man of the year of wine award. And then um, uh, Donald Pleasance pulls a Jay Leno listening in on them. <laughs> on the phone, on the right. speakerphone thing, which is like, oh, okay, well, good for you, creep. Yeah, hiding in the closet. Yeah, yep. you know, I, I actually found Adrian Carcini 
simultaneously off-putting because of his weird, mewling, rabbity kind of behavior, but also really endearing because he's clearly a man who's desperate to have friends. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And it's something like you kind of get the idea that, you know, his life with his brother was torment in one way or another. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just you, the, I have a lot of sympathy for him. I just feel like that's one of the most pathetic killers they've ever had on the show. Yeah, no, he's just, he's very kind of like uh, I think socially stunted. His entire life has been wine, being a nerd about wine, pretty much like being an mm-hmm. obsessive about it. And yeah. his entire social circle is within that and nothing else. And he's just. And I think that's why he just gets so frustrated and angry when it's going to be taken away from him and sold yeah. to the uh, Marino brothers at 69 cents a gallon. <laughs> and he just I, uh, can't stand it. Yeah. I was embarrassed to call it a made-for-TV Ernest and Julio Gallo because I remember that the made-for-TV Ernest and Julio Gallo is Bartles and James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't there sparkling, though, or something? No, it was a wine cooler. I was thinking so. of Paul Maison, too, was sort of of that era. Oh, Yeah. Uh, uh, That's right, yeah, what, yeah. What shitty wine we produced in California for so long. <laughs> uh. um, so, yeah, so the murder happens. He shoves his brother into his very, very expensive wine vault, turns off the air conditioner, turns off the ventilation, so the guy will obviously suffocate. And then, as John uh, so delicately put it, fucks off to New York. <laughs> <laughs> For a quick for a quick shot of the uh, beautiful JFK era Saradin stock footage thing of the uh, TWA terminal there, right. and then spending five thousand bucks on a bottle of, like Revolutionary War era wine, and just impressing people in some weird party, and he is just the happiest guy. Just the <laughs> weight of the world is off his shoulders. Yeah. In terms of uh, uh, Colombo murders, it's so interesting to me. There is no guilt whatsoever which comes yeah, up at the end would... of the episode too where he admits at the end of the episode there's no remorse so he's going to gladly confess to it he's completely mm-hmm. happy to have killed him i mean there's actually uh, when he goes back to the guys after he's killed his or eh, we'll call it 70 percent killed his brother a few minutes before um he goes back to his uh friends and says there's a quote about um some of our enemies, like he does the toast to them, but may our enemies not be as happy. Yeah, never be yeah. as happy as we are to, right now. Which is, oh, um, he's pretty much admitting to them that he had killed the guy to them. Right. He just, he's so happy about it, which is well, kind of disturbing. He, he sort of tries to confess as everybody's leaving, as the man known as Falcon and his friends are leaving. Yeah. Uh, he starts telling them, well, I can't wait to tell my brother, you know, he's getting married soon. You know, I haven't seen him in a while, you know, and he just starts kind of blabbing at them. Right. Right. He keeps yes. at the whole episode. Yeah. 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 Oh, it, it just, then he it feels like he's my brother for his wedding. Like he just keeps piling yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. My brother who's totally alive. Oh no, he's not dead <laughs> at all. He, he's not suffocating in a tomb right now. No, no, he's great. He's getting married. He's. He's going to be around for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. So it's speaking so of the strange. brother, too, that's like, uh, or I was going to say, actually, that um, Pleasance reminds me, or Adrian reminds me of uh, Lady in Waiting a little bit. Oh, where, yes. Where oh, the murder call. allows him to blossom. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, oh, now, do you right. really think that? Because he really is moving in these, like, very, like, 
high-end wine circles. I mean, those guys, he, I don't even know if that's a word, but like those guys he hangs out with, like when Columbo goes to visit them in the office, they're like sitting around playing pool <laughs> and some like high-rise. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, would you like some wine before Columbo leaves the office? Like, they're just tossing around. Like, right. who are these people? They're so, like, they're so yeah, beyond. What, what is their business? What do they do? It's, I don't understand what the, yeah, what the. So, I mean, or was he just not, or did those guys have something that Adrian didn't have? Or was he, like, was he always just a part of those circles? I think he was part of those circles. It kind of seems like he was the coolest guy of those guys because he actually owned because <laughs> he owned a winery and they didn't. They That's, just uh, they just drank RJ, like one, the wine, but he's got the like direct tap to making the wine. And RJ, having... one of those guys was named Falcon. Wait, so that like, is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> wait, so it was the character's name was Falcon or the actor? Yeah. Name? Oh, the I little, didn't get that. The doughy, the doughy dude was Falcon. <laughs> wait, which doughy dude? The one who was like a MacGyver's boss? Right, yeah, yeah. like the second oh. like, jump guy. <laughs> oh, uh, Dan Eckler. Oh, yeah, he is, Dan Eldar. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm looking at IMDb right now. Yes, his name, there's no last name, just Falcon. Falcon. Well, it's no, the best. That I'm going to, I'm just going to assume, continuity-wise... Back then, he still was involved in whatever sort of government agency that ended up overseeing um, MacGyver. Oh, yeah, right. that name? He yeah. has to. That was just him in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. That was a cover. That was a deep cover he had as a, a wine a... connoisseur in Los Angeles. <laughs> he was, like, uh, investigating a bunch of stuff there. So, he was codenamed Falcon. His backstory there's was, always, there's was always from a, Texas. There's always a consultant. conversation about... What other TV shows have collided with Columbo? And I think I like the idea of all three of those men being the the bosses of different TV action heroes. Oh my god, that's a great idea! And they would all fit, <laughs> especially the the fellow with the uh, goatee and stuff. That would be great. I got to see if I can find out wow. if these guys were ever on these shows. It's Don't be Google great. it during the show, John. Uh, Do the preparation. Yeah, I'll okay. Do what I want. I didn't okay. even write the intro, RJ. <laughs> I know, that's right. <laughs> that train has left the station. We got flipped around. It's fine. No problem. Um, <laughs> so wait. So do you think it's because he had the wine that that's why they let him hang around? I think so, yeah. No, that's that's not what I'm saying, actually. I think he's fine in his little world uh, of like wine. A, but, right. But it, it's also stunting to be like that. You know, like... Uh, just from personal experience, I used to hang out with nothing but cartoonists and comic book artists. <laughs> and that was really great because it was, you know, really, it helped me do better cartoons and better comics. And I had like good feedback and I was part of a really vital world. But then, you know, also it's really incestuous and you kind of hear the same information over and over again. And it, it was difficult to grow as a human being. You could grow as a cartoonist there, but not as just like a dude. Mm -hmm. So the more I got out of that circle, the more well-rounded I started becoming. And that's what I think is happening to Adrian here. He, he's a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And yeah. so now he's now that he's murdered his brother, it turns out that was the one thing he needed to like kind of be a little more forward with his his uh, sadly horny secretary. Yes. Oh, and boy, to, that's a sad uh, story. Uh, such a sad art. Yeah, that's a sad well, character arc. Spending more money on wine, you're right, like, only live right. once. He starts, like, right. yellowing at the auction, yeah. Oh, boy. I, yeah, I think I think this was really him coming into his own. And, you know, he was only around for, like, four days before he was caught, so he didn't have a lot of time to, like, you know, spread his wings like an eagle, but... But a little bit, enough. He had a good yeah. time, yeah. 
know. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, the, the, the trip back and forth to New York, um, boy, didn't that make air travel look so wonderful? Oh, man. The trip to New York on that airplane? There's somebody playing an organ. The guy's lounging on a spiral staircase. They're all just drinking <laughs> booze. Right? Oh, God. Thing around the plane, right? Oh, my goodness. It made oh, and the size of those seats. Wonderful. Yes, yeah. right? Man. It was a set, but... Robert Plant to stumble in, like, halfway through. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it just doesn't... You can't even fathom it, like, in this day and age. Right. Oh, my God. But, you know, I also want to point out, is that a first for Colombo where they actually leave L.A. and go to New York City? Uh, kind of, sort of. There have been a couple others I can think of. Ruth Gordon did it in uh, in Try and Catch Me. But then do you actually see her? Actually yeah, no, York you City just you don't. It's just like you just she see kills the airplane. You see the yeah. happy airplane trip. Like, I killed yeah. someone. Here I go. Do, 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 do. And this is <laughs> yeah, kind narr- of similar to that, actually. Yeah. Narratively, they don't usually go outside of... L.A. because they want to have Colombo nearby, but right, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, this is like a good excuse to do that. Yeah, and also to have him outside of town, assuming everything's great and could be a big shot in New York with his mm-hmm. just wine bidding and everything else. Yeah, he was pretty relaxed considering he had a dead body in his wine cellar. No, he seemed genuinely happy about it. Yeah, he was. He wasn't nervous. Until, like, towards the end when he realized, oh, well, it jeopardizes the actual, like, condition mm. of the wine. Even when he was, like, pulling the brother out and, like, putting the body in the ocean, he seemed kind of okay with that. It was just, yeah, it was, mm. he was a very strange murderer. But I liked it, though, because <laughs> he played it so well. It just, yeah. Well, you're right. It seemed like It seemed like the type of thing he would do almost. It didn't seem like odd that he was doing all those things, like taking his brother, having to throw the swimsuit, like throw the, the wetsuit on him, everything. It all seemed to play really well. Everything he seemed to, uh, every like a part of the plan, once he had struck him on the head, it seemed like right away he knew exactly what to do. It seemed mm-hmm. that that's the thing where it becomes very strange and uh, calculating, where it's like it goes from like, oh, no, I accidentally killed someone to like, oh, no. Okay, this is a good thing. I I've been planning this for years, and exactly in this situation, <laughs> this is what I would do. This is how I would dispose of this jerk who's going to take away my entire life. Well, that that's re- he has that rope just sitting on top of the. Uh, <laughs> oh right, yes. There, like tying up rope, like he's just waiting to use it. Yeah, right. I usually I'm always I'm always down here tying up <laughs> bottles of wine. Finally, I can use it on wrists and legs. Thank goodness. It's just- He's been murdering so many people in that cellar, and now finally it's the one he wants. <laughs> uh, there was a question I had actually about his his spontaneous plan that I wonder if it's just something I don't know about telegrams. Because oh, yes. his secretary I, I asks, down. yes, you know, yeah, go if ahead. he should, yeah, if he if he wants the check sent to his brother in Acapulco, was it at the Al- um, specifically at the Acapulco Hotel, which had not come up at all. Acapulco Rojo, I believe. Like, how would they know? How would he have known that? Because that was not spoken of. No, no, it was mentioned. He, the the brother mentioned it. Not the mm. specific hotel, though. I don't. Think. Yeah, he did. He, he said did? she's oh. waiting for me at the Acapulco Rojo. 
Oh, okay, never mind. I can't believe I actually remembered something RJ forgot or didn't write down. That's a good feeling. I'm going to hold on to that. I have like four lines of things written down about that specifically, and I got it all wrong, <laughs> so God bless you. Bless. Anyway, so yeah, he uh, he has her send it by, by mail instead of a telegram. And, you know, telegrams aren't that big anymore. Right. Uh, so I was wondering, was it the expense or was it the fact that if it was a telegram, his brother would have to sign for it? I think that's probably it. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's why he decided not to do that. <clears throat> and also the letter would take longer. So then the finding out that he wasn't there would take longer. I think he's thinking about right. killing time and killing time and killing time for the killing. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably what it is. Yeah. Hmm. At least that's my guess. I don't know. Do you know, just as an aside, I, uh, I was going to send a congratulatory telegram once to our mutual friend, Alan Crawford, and oh. discovered that a telegram costs like 75 bucks. Wait, oh do they God. even still do them anymore? Because I got one yeah. from somebody when I got married back in 20... sorry, 2003, and I thought they like ended not long after that. But they actually well, still this, do them, technically? It would have been about eight years ago that I looked this up. Okay. Uh, it looks like, well, actually, it looks like 2006 they stopped doing it. Oh, okay. So it, it would have been 2006 or earlier. Yeah, I actually got a Western uh, Union one in 2003, huh. a congratulatory one. Someone just being like, hey, I'll send a telegram. That's crazy. And then, yeah. It just hmm. came, but it came, I think, via mail, actually, which is dumb. <laughs> it came in an envelope via the mail to my office. It, they came to me at work. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, hey, it's got the Western Union stuff. Oh, okay. But it. You can just type the letter to me. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, the, the novelty is, yeah, it, it's the thought of the novelty is what counts. Yes. So we uh, we probably should get up to Columbo actually being a part of this episode. Right. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but um, yeah, when he gets in here, it's interesting because even so, it's by chance he's in his office at two a.m. and she comes looking for uh, uh, Martin Krasinski, Captain Martin Krasinski, who apparently is a bit of a slack ass. Uh, but it, but then when Columbo is at the beach, it's also by coincidence, he is there when they pull the body out because he doesn't know it's that guy because they pull him out of the ocean. He's like, wait, who, who is this again? Like, so it's like two big coincidences that even get Columbo involved in this case in the first place, Mm -hmm. which I think is really an interesting, strange thing. And you know what? That's another mess with the formula. I mean, how many times yeah. is Columbo not introduced at the murder scene? Mm-hmm. Is, is there any other episode where he's doing something else and then gets into the into the episode? I don't think so. Uh, Canada for Crime uh, pops into my head because he's actually working the detail uh, right. with uh, with the senator. I think there's another one too, and I can't think of the top of my head. I, there's there's a couple and we mentioned it during candidate uh, for crime, but I don't I don't remember what they are either. Oh, and actually, uh, recently he was on the um, wasn't candidate for crime, but uh, the one recently where uh, he has dog at the um, vet and he hears on the radio about. Oh, that's right. candidate. Oh, yeah. for, actually, that's, that's candidate, candidate for crime. So yeah, never mind. yeah. So, so that's obviously the main one. Yeah, so I can't that... think of the other ones, but yeah, there's a couple other ones where he somehow coincides with the people before it even happens but yeah i'm not sure right and even this one too then he lies about that later on uh where carcini asks him like why are you on this why are you on this case you're in homicide this was an accident 
And he's like, oh, I go where they tell me. I go where they send me. Which, like, no. Right. He was on it, coincidentally, two stages into it and knew there was something there. There was something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So so where do you, uh, where do you folks think that uh, he kind of knew it was Carcini? Well, there's a, there's a real long take on his face. Uh, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember where, when it was, but I remember watching it last night, and it's a real long take. And so it's, it's not... It's in the office, right? Is it in the office? I, yeah, to him? and it's, it's not early the on, though. Line, right? yeah. it's, it's like doing the decanting, and he's like talking about it, and you just watch Peter Falk is just sort of staring at him with this like, like shit eating grin on his face the whole time. Just right, like, oh. right. Yeah. I feel like he's real. Oh, maybe that's right not there. the scene, but that's where like I feel like I he's starting right. to like measure him as like, oh, this is the guy I'm I'm going to be playing against. Yeah, I think I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, I think it's that scene where he's talking to him in the office after he's gone on the tour. And um, yeah, well, he goes on the tour and he calls yeah. from the uh, telephone in the. <laughs> room with the huge vats. Um, I think it's after that, and then he like knows for sure. I think he suspects, but I think he knows for sure that after he's talked to Corsini face to face, one on one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now there we go. <laughs> hey, uh, well, then we're agreed. <laughs> that would solve that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I don't understand the joke they told during the tour. By the way, uh, about, about how women crushing grapes. Yeah, sitting down on the job. I don't understand that joke. Like, yeah, I guess just their butts crush the grapes. I don't know what that is exactly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> all right, I guess. good gag. Yeah, I was throughout the whole episode. I was collecting. Uh, one thing I've learned from this episode is that wine jokes are really not that funny. Yes, <laughs> they make a ton of wine jokes, and everybody like kind of politely laughs throughout the whole episode. But there's like a ton of them that happen throughout the whole like. Uh, Beginning to end, and that's probably like if you hung out with a bunch of like uh, beer people. They were like, "Oh, oh hey, hey, hops do this, <laughs> but then an IPA does this." You're like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, I, sure." And you're like, seen, "Yeah, you're very polite about it, and you don't know." Yeah, Sin- Sinbad's beer enthusiasm phase was was great. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, also, but I'm oh, sorry. I, I really adore, you know, there's little bits of Columbo character all through this episode, maybe oh, more than, in, stuff, yeah, yes. maybe two or three times more than most episodes. Mm-hmm. But I love when he tells the story about my grand, my grandfather used to let me squish the grapes on the stuff we made at home. Right. And the guy who's conducting the tour just looks him up and down like, hmm, right. <laughs> which I thought but was wonderful. We... Yes. Yeah. I thought that should have been like impressive that he right, grew up in a yes. house where they're making wine, but right. eh, not to this guy. Yeah. No, that guy, the, uh, yeah, the tour guide did not, was not a fan of that. Oh, and speaking of the tour, um, the old man who is the, uh, janitor there who tells Columbo where the, uh, where the phone is and also kind of clues Columbo into the fact that, uh, yeah, the brother's death was not super 100% mourned around the factory. Right. That guy, his first film uh, was in D.W. Griffith's Orphans of the Storm. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, by this point, he had been in movies since movies existed, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's a whole bunch of, like, really great character actors in this, which I don't know if you want to get into that. Like, a bunch of Columbo regulars, too. Uh, folks have been other ones. Right. It was, our, it was the first appearances of a couple of them. Oh, first ones. Well, who? Yeah, that was that was Vito Scotti's first appearance oh, in Columbo. Oh, 
Oh yeah. gosh, yeah, play the major D. He does great. a real good job. Oh, yeah, yeah. major D. <clears throat> and uh, that was Robert Donner's first of nice. three appearances. Yeah, so... uh, Robert Donner, who was in uh, Caution, Murder Commanders to Your Health, is the mm-hmm. the uh, proprietor of the porn store. What was his other one? That he was <laughs> uh, it was Undercover. He played a character in that. Oh one. right, right, yeah, okay, yeah. In the reprehensible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, undercover. undercover. <laughs> also, uh, Mike Lally is the bartender in this episode too. Oh. With Robert Donner, yeah, Mike Lally, it, who was uh, uh, the fella in um, uh, the magician episode, uh, who has the kind of weird little apartment in Columbia, goes has a beer with him to try to find some more information. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, oh God, what else? I'm looking at my notes now. Uh, with with Zeno Scotty, what, what is the thing that I, I feel like that was in every '70s episode when you had the Major D doing the mouth popping and the snapping? <laughs> yes, they go and like all this stuff, like to sort of order people around the restaurant. I don't know if that's and that has just always been Vito Scotty in particular, or if if that was just like a, something that people did in the '70s. I think it, it showed up a lot. Yeah, in like '70s movies, it seemed like that was like a very good cliche f- or like like very good. Like character shorthand for an officious sort of uh, restaurant guy, where it's like, oh, look at you up and down, like, oh, you're not fancy enough to be in here. Which that entire scene too, like John, you're talking about. There's like a ton of Columbo character stuff in this. That from him pulling up the car to the uh, valet parking thing, of course. Someone commenting on the car being a piece of crap. Yeah. And Columbo has <laughs> a great line about like, oh, you take care of your car, it'll take care of you. And the, the kid, the kid gets in, and it won't start. And they cut to Columbo in the restaurant, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's with Vito Scotti, who just looks him up and down and puts him in like the worst table by the kitchen, right? Which is nice. And yeah. Vito Scotti has the best wine joke, where he's like, "Do you want the red wine, Stewart, or the white wine, Stewart?" <laughs> and that's probably the only good wine joke in the whole episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, actually, the, the restaurant. Uh, thing the whole way that's set up is a really weird, elaborate, strange thing where that's something you don't see in Columbo a lot either. Where Columbo sets it up where he feels like he has to like fake apologize to Garcini and his secretary by taking them out for a very expensive meal for, of course, fake thinking that Garcini was um, the murderer and then recanting on it. But the entire time he's just setting him up to like lock him in even more. But it, it, that's just so strange that he decides to go through that elaborate a ruse to right. really trap the guy mm-hmm. and, and trapping the guy as it turns out by something that's eh, legally a little, uh, would be a little like... hard to justify in court. If, they, if <laughs> anybody else wants, nice. if anybody else wants to expound on that, it's not the best thing <laughs> in the world. Maybe first yeah. I stole a $1,500 bottle of claret. Yes. Right. Uh <laughs> Uh, my bigger question was: Is how is he? How is he paying? Is he invoicing this to the department? Yeah, because like, yeah. paying for the meal. Was right. he counting on that that temper tantrum? I don't know because that was going to be a very expensive meal. Yeah, and Columbo uh, historically a really cheap fellow. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if he was counting on things to be comped or not because I could <laughs> not see that going well somehow. It, I, I was I was actually relieved when it came up that Columbo didn't have to pay for the meal. I feel like, right. oh, thank goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of tension about that. Yeah, because it came up and over and over and over again. And when Carcini's like, let me pay for half, I was like, half? He's, he's a cop. Pay for all of it. Yes, please. <laughs> 
Oh, poor Columbo. Yeah, I mean, the uncorking fee alone right, uh, yeah. on that bottle probably would have been more than Columbo has ever spent on a meal in his life. Right. Well, actually, you know, another thing about the meal, uh, the dinner, several times it comes up that Columbo says he's going to have uh, Mrs. Columbo uh, come by if they get a babysitter. Mm. Yeah. Comes up to, when he first brings up the idea of the dinner, and then uh, again during the dinner he oh she can't come by because we couldn't get a babysitter because like uh, all the kids are at the uh, rock concert or whatever the rock concert down but, at the rock concert yeah <laughs> but that's a really weird thing of because this is what season three season four I think it's season three yeah. second think, episode of season three yeah, yeah. yeah. um it was I don't know if it's established but it seemed like Columbo didn't have kids by this point so it seemed like a weird thing is he just flat out lying and trying to ingratiate himself with them. Because of that, or did the writers just think, oh, maybe Columbo does have kids after all. Who knows? Well, what let me throw think? this one out to you. Yeah. Um, so this is the episode that I'm going to haul in front of people when they argue that there is no Mrs. Columbo. Oh, because yeah. there definitely is. Cause <clears throat> there he, definitely is. He uses her, uh, talks to her very obviously on the phone uh, mm-hmm. about the weather conditions. They had their picnic, and also he has to get uh, some groceries on the way home. It's yep. very obvious it's real, but yeah. And uh, it's also that also speaking of jokes that work, that's part of the running gag of everybody telling him to call the weather service. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he asks her if she can remember when it was hot and she clearly says, well, call the weather service, Frank. Right. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Huh. But <laughs> if he really had a kid and I don't think he does. No. I think he would have it would have come up on the phone conversation. Oh, probably. Yeah, definitely. So he's obviously lying. He's doing the Columbo weird lying thing to them. Yes. Yes, for sure. Which then is like, oh, Columbo, way to go, man. (laughs) Just really playing him, playing him, making him get all comfortable. Like, oh, that's nice. He's got children and she can't come because of that. Like, (laughs) do you ever, (laughs) do you think Columbo ever tells his wife about all the times that he, tells a fancy dude that he's going to bring her to a, a, an expensive party or dinner. I think so. Yeah. I think, oh he's my that God. Kind of, I think he's that kind of guy where he'd be honest, but I think she just like, Oh good. I'm glad you didn't. Ugh. <laughs> hey, pain in the neck. I'm going bowling Thursday. I couldn't go to that. Oh, that's right. She does like to bowl. Doesn't yes. She? Yeah. That's true. It is his work, right? It would. Yeah. So right, it yeah. I think she wouldn't be interested in that. I think they've got that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just assuming so much here. But I would guess that yeah, their their relationship is such that she knows what he's got to do, and like they probably communicate pretty well to each other because of that. And yeah, yeah, I I, I think yeah, I think he would. Listeners, what are you, if, <laughs> no, seriously, if if folks out there want to let us know what they think about that sort of thing, leave a comment on this uh, episode or write us Columbo at cds dot net. That's actually an interesting question. If like how how honest he was with her about that sort of thing. Like how many, about all of the very obvious liberties that he's taken about their relationship with people just to close cases. Mm. Yeah. It'd be interesting to like, uh, see what people think about that in their heads. As oh, much as I hated yeah. their head cannon <laughs> <laughs> about that. Yes. RJ's old. <laughs> so what do you, do you think at this episode is, uh, well, it's like a kind of a dark episode, but it's also oh, a very really episode, and it's also kind of a funny episode. That's so oh, I think yeah. it, it's like ev- everybody's got jokes. Everything's sort of really like the murder's really dark. The relationship between uh, Carcini and the secretary is kind of dark. Oh God, that's sad. 
Yeah, we got to cover that real quick. That's, that sterile and passionless line he has with her. Uh, oh, good lord! Right, so yeah. angry with her for for trying to protect him. That's the worst I know, but, part. But the thing is, that's a really, really good acting on Donald Pleasance's part. Yeah, where he yeah. does that so well—that turn from getting in the car, going dinner, like oh, maybe things can change. And once he realizes what she did, just mm-hmm. the way he just completely shuts down. Oh my god, he, he's wonder. He plays that so, so well. And she plays it great too, the hurt in that, but then also trying to salvage it, saying like, well, bad people have married under worse circumstances. And it's like, oh god. Oh, it's so sad. That yeah. reminds me too, like, I don't... I know Pleasance's character was really happy to be arrested because he didn't want to get forced into marriage, which is yes. Oh my god, that kind of, that kind of came out of nowhere, character-wise. Right. Yeah, but um, I have to just from everything we saw about about Karen, I have to feel like in the morning she would have regretted that ultimatum. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, probably yeah. would have recanted because she she didn't strike me. You know, there's a lot of characters in Columbo who are conniving and manipulative. But I think that was just her being angry, hurt, and and realizing she had one small piece of control over him. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. at first I thought it was going to be some sort of thing like uh, in uh, Murder of a Rock Star, where she's like, <laughs> "Here we go, we're part." And she says something about being partners or a partnership. Yeah. But it's not that. It's yeah. much more of like an emotional, lonely thing, which makes it even sadder and stranger. It's like, oh god, yeah. It, it, it's it's oof. I think the first time I watched the episode, I really thought that they were setting him up for a second murder. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. And I almost wonder if maybe the script may have been a little longer or something on this one, and instead oh, wow. they like, that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see that for sure. Ooh. <laughs> God, that would have been <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Dusting off the rope. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I got my tying up rope ready. <laughs> schlubbing down to the wine cellar again like the uh, wines the wine's already ruined it won't matter every sunday ornament <laughs> <laughs> polishing it up yeah what was that by the way i i could never get a good glimpse at it <laughs> I that he know. killed his brother with it's it just like just it looks like heavy thing yeah it's like a 90 pound uh paperweight yeah, but right. you just have around in your office in case you have to murder someone yeah. or at the very least three quarters murder someone and then finish it off later somewhere else. With a Back rope. in the 70s, they used to have one of those in every home. It was called a Brother Smasher. And <laughs> you could also use it to crack nuts, but a lot of people used it to kill their brothers. Right. Uh, and it wouldn't always work, which is why that's why you needed a uh, nice thing in your den or basement to suffocate them <laughs> later. Oh, God. Ugh. Um, I got a question. I wrote down sure. a question. Do you think that uh, Columbo would have caught him if the weather had been different in uh, L.A.? No, mm. no, not at all. I don't think so. He would have had enough to lock it down. I don't think he would have. So it's another like coincidence, pretty much. That, that's a weird thing about this episode. I, I think, as Stephen, you said earlier about like uh, how this one kind of messes with the uh, formula a bit. Yeah, like Columbo had a lot of things for chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, in fact, he got a really key thing just by sitting in the bar, having a beer, watching the TV news report, and shushing a drunk. That was a huge thing. If he hadn't been there to see that news report, it wouldn't have occurred to him to keep calling and calling and calling the Weather Bureau to find out what, you know, if it rained last Tuesday or not. 
Right. There are so many things where he had to be in the right place at the right time. The weather had to be exactly right. Otherwise, the wine wouldn't have been ruined, so he couldn't have trapped him uh, in the whole thing. Yeah, it's a bunch of like just really, really just amazing coincidences that helped Colombo actually crack this case, which is odd. Yeah, not just the the wine, but also the car. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. It, it, it's it's an odd one. It's an odd good one. It's very strange mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Well, I guess was there like a, a, enough of anything else to really pin? I mean, because they kept throwing a lot of things out in this episode that were like. I thought they were going to use it. Like when like his brother says, like, I've been keeping track of, you know, all the spending and the buying you've been doing. Uh, there's like things that they just keep tossing out that never or when they, he let uh, Falcon decant the wine instead. But that mm. never came into play. It always just kept being the weather, you know, as, as what sort of did him in. Well, actually, the Falcon thing did, because um, when he's decanting something with Columbo in the office, he says, oh, I don't know anybody else uh, decant anything. And then when uh, Columbo finds out that that Sunday, uh, Carcini had let Falcon decant it, just because Carcini's hands were still shaking from what he had done, that's when that, that really clicked Columbo to be like, well, that's the deviation from normal behavior, which is usually like a really good key, like, oh, well, you did something different that day that you never, like, uh, changed from. But yeah, I mean, the weather stuff, yeah, that, that just... That could have been anything, and that just, if that hadn't happened, yeah, he wouldn't have had nearly as much of a case to go after him or to, like, suspect him at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or to then go in, or, like, go into a wine store in 90 minutes, become an expert in wine. <laughs> well, I think he, he probably returned to Punky Brewster's dad every every day. Oh, you think so? Think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that's a great scene, too. That That is wonderful, because you think... It's not just from what he had learned from George Gaines uh, with a terrible French accent. <laughs> it was um, also it was some Columbo stuff there too. Just being a good detective, like he explains, like, well, I know you produced three wines. This yeah. one wasn't that one, so it'd be one of these two. And I know this kind of tastes like that, so there you go. But yeah. it was just enough, which I thought was interesting because also again a deviation from the uh, norm of this this show. Columbo usually plays dumb, very deferential, but in that, he's actually, like, uh, really thrown out some smarts to throw the person off instead, to throw them off their game, as opposed to, oh, I'm just a humble guy, and I'm like, oh, I know it's this, it has a nice body, oh, it's got a really nice this sort of thing, just to make the guy kind of, like, uh, seem a bit out of sorts, which I thought was interesting. Well, I think, you know, the course of this episode, Columbo and, and Carcini start really forming what appears to be a genuine friendship. And Carcini's really hungry for approval, so he's definitely into it. And he's so delighted at watching Columbo's wine knowledge grow. But do you think Columbo was also growing incredibly fond of this man? Well, I mean, at the end, at the very end, uh, mm-hmm. which, is, which to me, this is one of my favorite uh, end scenes of Columbo. Um where they're just in the car, Columbo has this wine, and Garcini is impressed, like, oh, that's a very good dessert wine. Oh, I thought you'd enjoy it. And Garcini actually says, like, you've learned very well, Lieutenant. And Columbo says, thank you, sir. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. And he seems right? very genuine about it. Yeah. yeah. Which I was very surprised at that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, that, I thought that was a wonderful, strange moment where, yeah, I, I, was, I was surprised, especially... 
seems like people have said nicer things to Columbo than that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah but I was wondering why he said it. Like I was wondering why that happened. That moment happened. I, was, I think because he doesn't get a lot of credit. You know, when he catches people, they don't necessarily compliment him. They they kind of sneeringly say, "Well, you're smarter than you look." But Carcini's compliment was really, you know, agnostic to everything else about Columbo except the compliment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't you learned very well for a weird looking schlub. It was you learned very well. Yes, right. right. That's a very that's really touching. I actually like that a lot. And, and on the flip side, I always find like Columbo tends to have like a few ways in which he treats like the murderer. Right? It's either like he has like some disgust or some pity. Or like, or else he has some maybe some admiration, but it's more of like a resigned admiration. Or he like, it's like a worthy opponent. Like he, it's a pleasure to defeat. And I felt like with Carcini, he felt kind of like he was a like he he started to sort of like want to defeat this guy, but like in a worthy opponent way. Right. Yeah. And I kind of it reminded me a lot of, and we brought up a couple of times before the uh, Ruth Gordon episode. Catch me if you can. And then also the uh, Johnny Cash episode too. Mm-hmm. Or remind yeah. me of that because he shows up while the guy's trying to like toss out the evidence and cover it up, and the the murderer just kind of like, yeah, he got me. Well, let's just drive to the police department. <laughs> Here we go. Well, and, like and, the uh, two of them and... were very similar in that, where they were both very much like, yeah, you killed someone. I can kind of see why you did it, but yeah, I got to take you in. And who wrote Swan Song? Oh, the same fellow. Yeah. Ralph Stanley Ross, yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, there you go. Stanley Ralph Ross, one of the two. Yeah, no, that that okay. Well, that makes a great deal of sense then. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. speaking of like, uh, let uh, while we're talking about uh, people behind the scenes who've done multiple things, uh, Leo Penn, who directed this episode, uh, also did Columbo Goes the Guillotine, which I think is one of the better uh, '90s ones. Which, that's you know low bar, but I think it's like one right. of the better no, '90s it ones. Is. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, conspirators, which I we still have not talked about on the show, so I don't know to compare that uh, with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the guy had history with the pro. I, I'll actually, this would have been his first one. Conspirators was the very last of the seventies episodes, I believe. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. The last see the last seventies, first nineties. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. And That's also, that the conspirators is one of the better drinking episodes too. Oh right, <laughs> yes, of course, yes. That out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think. I'm looking at my notes. Is there anything else that's super sparkling I want to pull out? I think we've kind of covered most of it. I mean, it's a good episode. It's hard to, like, really pick this yeah. one apart because it's great. The performances are good. It's, well, you know what? I'll save that uh, for the wrap-up. Which yeah, one? you've missed a piece of trivia that you told me. Oh, which one? That I thought was really fascinating. And then I have a few to share, too. But um, the actress who played the fiancé. Oh, God, yes. This is a weird one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Joyce Jilson, she was a columnist in the 1970s, but also uh, she was an astrologer and the official astrologer for Fox Studios, and she was the one who supposedly suggested May 25th, 1977 as the most uh, astrologically advantageous release date for Star Wars. So, <laughs> all right, sure. Why not? Yeah, she was She was also allegedly Nancy Reagan's astrologer, even what? in the White really? House. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Wow. Uh, and right, according sure. to uh, according to IMDb, this is my favorite piece of trivia for her. Uh, was a Capricorn in real life, but considered herself a Libra. Wait, <laughs> that's when you're born. Astrology works when you're born. That's what you are. 
Apparently, right. most of her planet, most of her planets were aligned with Libra, so she considered herself a Libra. So, Star Wars should have been released in like uh, I guess February, maybe I don't know. I don't know how stuff works. <laughs> yeah, and November it would have been would have done horrible, and uh, we wouldn't have had like uh, twenty movies, and George Lucas had to do something else creative. So, yeah, if it weren't for her picking her. Uh, another piece of it. So one of the things that stuck out for me in the episode was how much time and effort they put into explaining why uh, none of, neither of the Carcinis looked Italian. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, you're the bl- oh, you're from the north. Oh, that's the blondes up there. Right. The north. Yeah. So uh, now Donald Pleasance, of course, is is not in any way Italian. I did find out that Gary Conway, who played uh, Enrico, uh, is half Italian, so oh. I, I have to retract my earlier joke. He's half Italian, half Irish. Okay. Uh, but here's the. this is not even on IMDb, so I'm going to get to enter my first piece of IMDb trivia. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gary Conway owns a winery. Wait, what? There you go. He, he and his wife, Marion McKnight, former Miss America, own a winery Whoa. called Carm- Carmody McKnight. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that's something that has to pass through his head now and then. <laughs> Every now and I mean, again. come on. The fact that, that maybe he has like the wine cellar like recreated somewhere on the winery. I now. know. <laughs> or or, he, or they bought it and they had a wine cellar and he just would never go into like, oh, oh, no, I'm not going in there. No, 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 no. Like, why? You saw, oh, right, the episode. Never mind. Okay. Burke's Law? No, no, the Columbo. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Burke's Law. Right. <laughs> Uh, the only other piece of trivia I collected was uh, UK wine consultant Philip Ostenton can hold 51 wine glasses in one hand at the same time. <laughs> mm. That's not that that's why he does well episode. at uh, Carabas on Saturday okay. nights. Does he hold by the stem or by the foot? According to this drawing <laughs> in Ripley's Ripley's Believe It or Not, uh, he holds uh, it looks like six of them by the stem upside down, and the rest are stacked into a locking pattern. Uh, he's, so he's not drinking. No, it's not no, fifty-one right. full yes. bottles, full glasses right, of yes. wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I, if I uh, memory serves me, we we spoke briefly uh, on IMDb. Apparently, in the goose section for this episode of IMDb, <laughs> there was another issue, wasn't there, John? Yeah, let me let me call that up uh, in case I have to read it verbatim. But uh, you know, a, a plot point in this episode was that the Emmy discovered that the victim had not eaten for two days before his death. And um, uh, therefore would have been too weak to go scuba diving. And apparently a fasting enthusiast got on to IMDb oh furious that someone would, would impugn fasting. Uh, I've got it right saying, here. I've got it right here. You want me to do it? Uh, yeah, you do it. Go, man. About uh, one hour and eight minutes. After saying the medical examiner mentioned that Rick hadn't eaten anything for two days prior to his death, Columbo states that fasting for two days makes a person weak, equating fasting to starving. That's a myth. Fasting is not starving, does not make a person weak, as anyone <coughs> who's fasted for any length of time could attest. Uh, so that's a, of, of order, that's a goof. Point of order to that guy? Yes. The, the dude was starving. Yeah. The dude wasn't fasting. He had no liquids. Right. He was starving. He, so, was, he was unconscious and died. Right. So, yeah. He's slowly succumbing to brain damage. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Bleeding out. Right, yeah. <laughs> there is a little more to it, right? But, you I like, know, I also like learned that. from that moment that, he, that Rick was a tremendous eater. Right, yes, except for Brussels yes. sprouts. Favorite quotes of the whole episode. <laughs> what a weird, 
<laughs> I would never put that like that. Like, oh, so uh, so your friend Eddie, how, how's he with eating? Oh, he's a tremendous eater. He loves <laughs> to eat. He's amazing. He'll eat all the live long day. I watch him eat. I got to point out that those two guys that they meet at the country club that's hanging out with <laughs> no. Are they? Uh, I kept thinking in my mind that they were like the template for the guys in Colombo goes to college. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is I got to use these oh, guys? Yeah. Again, but I don't know how. <laughs> I love. I do love when they show up at the at the little swinging party. <laughs> yeah. And it was like all of a sudden, Doctor Goldfoot and the bikini machine happened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, speaking of this, so uh, we've talked on past episodes about how sometimes it feels like Columbo has crashed into another TV show. Right. <laughs> uh, and I was thinking a lot about the Carcini brothers and what kind of show they would be. And I was leaning towards late night soap opera, but I got to thinking. Sitcom. They, sitcom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely sitcom. Yeah. One, one of the running gags, they're half brothers. They don't like each other. One's really smart and kind of toad-like and the other one's handsome and stupid. And uh, they there's they constantly make jokes about not looking Italian. There's a lovelorn secretary. This is built for it. Sour grapes. <laughs> oh, RJ. That's the name of it. And you know you got the you got the uh, you got the uh, silly uh, people actually working in the uh, yeah the works of it. The guy in the lab. Uh, you that, got the old, old janitor man, who does the old man janitor yep. who's always doesn't speak <laughs> doesn't speak a lot of English. So he's and he's uh, been around he, for like three generations of this winery existing. Yep. So he has the history of it and he knows exactly what's going on. Right. Although yeah, I don't know, we got a good bit here. Yeah. You, the whole Falcon Crest thing does lend well to this episode. Oh, uh, maybe soap opera. Could we take the wine crew and turn them into a soap opera somehow, and then it'd be Falcon Crest, and Falcon can actually. <laughs> Sweet. That's right. I uh, I was actually thinking the scene where they're about to give him the uh, the wine wine dude of the year award <laughs> is like perfect sitcom fodder for like that's when the dog comes through or no, like some no. some drunk naked guy he's been hiding in the closet comes out like is the party still going on. Just it would have been, or or he serves activity. he serves them the wrong wine. It's been switched somehow, the wrong bottle. <laughs> right, there's one just full of LSD or something. Or, or because it's someone, a 70s city. Someone had broken the bottle, and so they had to like, oh, quick, get a replacement bottle, uh, and they put like a bunch of like a uh, uh, vinegar and red food coloring and something, and they all pretend like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Sour we grapes. got it. Let's write this. Sour grapes, uh, nineteen seventy four. Uh, Wednesday night, CBS, 8.30. To 19.74. Yes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> How many episodes before it was uh, shut down? Uh, one and a half. Was, one and a half. Was, it was a summer replacement. <laughs> so. I think it was on the same deal as the Blazing Saddles TV show. They were just holding on to some rights. Yeah, exactly. It, it was, so it they was... filmed three episodes, three seasons. But... Well, actually, no. They filmed like a, ten episodes of this, but four aired. The other oh, ones, sad. the other ones, nobody has them. It's one of those <laughs> forgotten deals. Yeah. All right. Well, this was a good episode. Let's go around. Stephen, we'll start with you. Overall, what'd you think of it? Uh, you know, I well, I picked it because it's one of my favorites. Like, what I like about this one is it, like, it really introduces you to a lot of like the main Columbo, like things that make Columbo Columbo, like mm-hmm. the wife, the car. Him like constantly coming back for questions and doing it like in a weird manner. 
So I think like like I'd almost say this would be like a good starter episode in some sense if you oh, really yeah. just yeah, into yeah. Columbo and really know what it's about. And I was also again since I'm working on Drunk Columbo, if you had like a bingo <laughs> card for like drinking for this episode, like and you just put all the classic Columbo tropes tropes on it, you could probably get like pretty hammered. I'm thinking. I guess it would be like a good episode for that. Well, uh, speaking of starter episodes, so you came to this kind of late. Your wife got you. To, what, do you remember what the first one you watched was that got you thinking like, oh, hey, this isn't bad. I'd see more of these. I, well, it was actually the first episode, Prescription Murder. We oh, start, wow. Right from the beginning. Go in and buy the DVD and then bring it home and just watch it all the way through. This is before it was on Netflix. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So you started like right from the start, went all the way through. Oh, wow. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, so that was it. So yeah, but this this I think season three in general is a great place oh, to start. Oh, it's it's there. I'm pulling the thing out right now. Yeah, no, I was as I was watching. I was looking at the other ones. I mean, this season has uh, this Candidate for Crime, Double Exposure, Publisher Parish, uh, Swan Song is in this. Oh, Swan Song is the same season. A Friend Indeed. This is like a really really good season of the show. Yeah, um, you could watch this season, nothing else, and you'd be well set actually. Yeah, and I would say for this season, this is probably my favorite out of out of all of them. I don't know what other people would say to that, but oh, I just good. play between Pleasance and and Falk is just so good. Yeah, the way uh, the way Donald Pleasance uh, plays this role is so strange, going from kind of boring and pleasant to just flashes of anger, and then just these weird, creepy, laughing things because he's uncomfortable. It just it's just yeah, it it's he's great in this and I, I i wish he had been in more episodes uh this is also this is one of my favorite episodes of the series i think um yeah i, I love it i if, and i think you're right i never thought about it that way but uh if you wanted to introduce someone to the show this would be a good starter episode just to kind of get them into what the show's about uh how the characters work yeah that's great uh john yes sir what do you think what would you rate it <clears throat> Well, uh, we didn't get around to discussing this, but one of the things I look for in Columbo is the relationship between the killer and Columbo uh, evolving. I think the best episodes and the best killers are where uh, the the killer starts with ignoring or disliking Columbo and then has to come respect him or fear him. This is the one episode I can think of where the, the evolution of the character is he barely notices Columbo at first, and then by the end of it, they're best friends. yes. Yeah, Which yeah. is, yeah, I wouldn't want to see that every episode, but it is absolutely, and it's so beautifully done here. Oh, and great. really, it's nice and gradual, yeah. and it you feel like, oh, I saw how that happened. Yes, yeah, it's incredibly sense. organic. Yeah. That's right. the, the yes. amazing thing about it. Yeah, uh, you know, that's again, that's that's um, Falk and Pleasance just being terrific actors mm-hmm. and having a pretty good script to work from. Uh, so. In my memory, this had been an episode that was lumped in often with Last Salute to the Commodore as being like a goofy one that people didn't like. Really? Oh. I I thought so, but uh, I can't find any evidence of now. I went went looking through our old uh, uh, comment threads trying to find it. Couldn't find it. But I did go into the rewatch thinking, isn't this the one everybody thinks is terribly silly? I loved it. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's in my top ten, but it is definitely a great Columbo episode. Should definitely be on everybody's watch list, and I'm I'm willing to give it 
uh, you know what? Eight five thousand dollar bottles of California uh, vinegar <laughs> out of out of a possible ten, or in other words, forty thousand dollars worth of California wine. See, like I, I was wondering what you were going to use for the rating, and I thought uh, you were maybe going to do like a, like a however many like out of <laughs> oh we didn't talk about that just right. real quick yes that was thematically so weird when, when Vito Scotti yes After, and yeah, the, the restaurant scene yes Vito, I loved it Vito Scotti and the wine steward who actually uh, was the uh, magic shop proprietor in Pee Wee's Big Adventure that same right. actor oh. <laughs> um, after Carcini storms out like oh I'm not paying for this because he thought the wine his own wine was ruined and it just the camera holds them as they both sip and just go like in unison, which is just so strange. Yeah, I loved it. But fun, so yeah, happy. I liked it too. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, this is a good episode. Thank you, Stephen, for picking it. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank uh, you. For having me. Uh, if you want to tell folks, uh, where should they go to find uh, where you're posting about Colombo and other things on the internet? Uh, yeah, uh, please. So you can check out uh, Colombo Interiors, which is now on thematically on Drunk Colombo. Um, and that's, uh, gosh, oh my God, do I even know the name? It's, uh, Colombo interiors.tumblr.com. Um, <laughs> I guess I didn't really have to say it. Uh, and that's, if you're a Colombo fan, that's really the only Colombo stuff I'm doing. I have other Tumblr sites I'm working on. Uh, you can always check out a thousand and one art projects about music, which is another one that I'm working on. That's testing myself on making projects around music, but visual oh. projects around music and sound. So feel free to look that up as well. And, um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, I mean, do, do you have like a, a Twitter, for instance, where people can find links to all of these things you're working on, like kind of uh, central place? I do not actually. I, oh, oh okay. uh, no, uh, you can also check out through. Well, uh, as I say, through the the music side, I also have robophono.org. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, sort of the the space that holds all of the projects that I've been working on around this stuff. That's perfect. Then, yeah, that that's a good. Yeah thing to send folks to great well thank you for doing the show and thank you for doing this episode it's a wonderful episode i love this one so i'm glad you picked it and we could talk about it oh, um you. if you want to uh listen to other episodes of just one more thing you go jmtpodcast.com or look for just one more thing on your favorite uh podcast app uh if you're on itunes enjoy it leave a review that helps other people find it it's not uh, such a terrible thing uh positive or negative we welcome all points of view. That's a nice thing to say, I guess, these days. <laughs> it's a dark yeah, time. It's it. good to be positive. I don't know. Um, if you want to uh, see other things uh, that we're doing, uh, you can go to JMT Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we like uh, to see other people's uh, posts about uh, Columbo. We'll post them up there. Also, things about uh, new episodes and promos coming up. Uh, if you follow us also on Tumblr, JMT Podcast on there also. Uh, reposting, actually, uh, g- quite often the Columbo Interiors material. <laughs> and also, um, uh, John takes great screen grabs, uh, writes his further thoughts in the episodes, plus anything else we find on there. Oh, yeah, he did this thing uh, recently, which is great. I uh, posted a bunch of like uh, Mad Magazine uh, parodies from the 70s up there. We've got so, so many more of those to go. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of like just instances where Columbo has shown up in pop culture. We're posting a whole bunch of that on Tumblr. So go there because it's really fun stuff. Jamtpodcast.tumblr.com. 
Uh, if you want to write to us, of course, Colombo at the CDS.net. We like to get letters uh, from folks. And please, uh, we also read every, each and every single one of the comments uh, you leave on the website. So please, that helps to, to know that people are out there actually listening to this thing. Speaking of, speaking of which, yes. just as an aside, we got a, or I think I got a good email from our listener, uh, Pat Edaburn, Edaburn, I don't know how to say mm-hmm. his name. Uh, but he was suggesting a, a killer he would have liked to have seen on Columbo, and it's a good one. Uh, it was Lucy, Lucille Ball. Oh, right, yes. Oh, God, yes. Play, Somebody's playing a darker great. version of himself. And he also pitched uh, that the uh, Desi Arnaz could have been the victim. No, yeah. that would be good. Like some, yeah, oh, that would be a good story. Yeah, yeah it's like a good that. one, huh? Yeah. Didn't. <laughs> Way to go, late Lucille Ball, for not doing There's that only one. There's so, only uh, so many Columbos. That's true. All right. Last show for this time around. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Was Rick any kind of a health fanatic? No. Was Rick on any kind of a strange diet? Is there any reason why Rick wouldn't eat for days on end? None. No, he was a tremendous eater. He was an athlete. Burned it right out. Yeah, matter of fact, I can't think of anything he didn't like eating. Except Brussels sprouts.